Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. And welcome to another episode of the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm meteorologist Sarah Dillingham from the Weather Channel, uh, and I'm joined today by Dr. Max Zakowski, a meteorologist here as well. Uh, we're continuing our special tropical edition, uh, tracking Hurricane Dorian. Uh, we're in, uh, Matt, I'm trying to lose count on how many days uh, we've been doing this now. We've at least been talking about this storm for officially a week now. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, actually more than a week if you count the time it became a tropical storm, um, and we've definitely seen this storm evolve uh, in over the last honestly 24 to 36 hours we have just seen the Bahamas being or the Northwest Bahamas specifically um, being heavily impacted and just devastated by this hurricane yeah here we are uh, Tuesday uh, mid-afternoon when we're recording this and it is still sustained a tropical storm force winds uh, in Grand Bahama and I can't imagine the hell that they went through uh, yesterday, especially, uh, you know, the, for the unrelenting aspect on Grand Bahama, especially because the storm, it, it truly just sat in the same spot as a major hurricane. Um, just, just horrible to even really comprehend. Right. Uh, but now finally it is, uh, slowly now moving off to the Northwest, uh, as of, as of this recording, five miles per hour, it's uh, about 100 or so miles off the coast of uh, Florida, about same latitude as uh, Fort Pierce or so, mm-hmm. and the wind's 110 miles per hour. Yeah, so I mean, definitely, you know, and I actually said this yesterday, you know, I'm going through the break room and you're walking through and I see on the screen, category four, 145 mile per hour winds, and a little bit of my mind just went kind of, ooh, okay, just 145 now, but that's that. That's just a complete reversal, right? Because think about this. Normally, we see a Category 4, 145 mile per hour winds, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what a potential disaster. And then, because but because it was so intense, you're thinking, well, it's not 185 anymore, and you're kind of relieved, but you're like, this is still a serious issue. And thankfully, we've seen it weaken further, but we're this is still a serious uh, hurricane and could have significant impacts to the U.S. coast now that we're finally starting to see it pick up speed, but it's just been uh, a really crazy um, event to see unfold mentally how you look at the storm. Yeah, and 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 this, with the same respect to 145, even right now, 110, 110, right. these are sustained no winds, joke. stronger gusts, and we'll note too, the wind field uh, is expanding. Uh, so, you know, one thing that, that sort of happened today is, is confidence uh, grew and, and consensus in the track, and we feel really good now that you know there's not going to be a landfall in 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 the state of Florida, mm-hmm. um, and we feel really good that um, you know any uh, hurricane force gusts will be limited to I think a, a small area near near the coast. Uh, plenty of 40, 50, probably 60 mile per hour, per hour gusts to go around uh, for the rest of today and all day tomorrow. Uh, but really, and of course, I should mention too, those large battering waves. Uh, we've yes. seen uh, some severe beach erosion, mm-hmm. and uh, those waves are going to maintain uh, their intensity, uh, you know, for much of this week. Uh, but now we really are starting to focus uh, later into the forecast, mm-hmm. um, and and st- talking more now and more now about the uh, Carolinas. Right, right, and you know the the. And- 
really for the last several days before we knew a little bit more assuredly that Florida was not going to see a uh, direct landfall. We were still saying, you know, from anywhere from Miami to the Carolinas, you can't count this storm out. And now we're in the time frame where the Carolinas, you still cannot count this storm out. The Georgia coast, South Carolina, North Carolina coast, all are still in play as Dorian starts to make its northwestward trek and ultimately northeastward trek, possibly kind of outlining the coastline there as that upper trough is coming to pick it up. But, you know, especially in a place like Charleston, which is so susceptible to even even high tide flooding, um, when you're potentially right now, our latest uh, Weather Channel forecasts are showing potentially eight to 12 inches of rainfall. And that would include a city like Charleston, who will potentially see, well, expected to see onshore flow and coastal flooding, coastal impacts from this. But that could be a real problem for the city of Charleston. Yeah, it's we're we're going to have water over the streets uh, in Charleston. This is just one of those setups. It's just too susceptible of a of a city. I mean, the the highest high tides of the year alone, you know, will, will get you the the flooding. Um, and right now, it looks like uh, you know Thursday early morning things are going to be uh, picking up there, uh, and that's sort of the the time zone for them. So they call it Thursday morning or so when when the storm's going to be at its at its closest approach. And at this point, uh, you know, the, the, the Hurricane Center uh, center line track, the center of the storm, uh, keeps it off the coast mm-hmm. uh, very, very close. And um, various computer models, depending on what you look at, some show a landfall uh, in South Carolina, others North Carolina, as, and many others also just keep it, keep it offshore. So we still don't know if we're actually going to get a official landfall, but I think at this point um, that's not too important because uh, the storm is growing in size and is going to get close enough to the coast where we're going to have uh, more wind problems, I mm-hmm. think, than we're currently seeing in, in Florida. Right. And because and let's think about how large the wind field is. We were talking about this yesterday as it underwent various eyewall replacement cycles and has continued to do so. We've seen a great deal of expansion in the tropical storm wind for uh, tropical, tropical storm force winds away from the center. So like you were saying, a larger area is going to start being impacted by those. So let's say, you know, even let's say the storm had not undergone those eyewall replacement cycles. And then you take that same storm up to the coast. Yeah, you might have a stronger hurricane, but if the wind field is more compact, you might not have those winds impacting as many coastal areas as you might now, which even if it's a slightly weaker storm at that larger wind field, we could still see more people experience tropical storm force winds, even if it's, you know, even though if, even if the center stays offshore, you know, right now it extends roughly 150 miles west and north. I, I guess I think it's in the northwest quadrant, about 150 miles. So you consider that maybe experiencing tropical storm force winds 100 miles inland. I mean, that's a real possibility. Yeah, yeah, that, that is, that is. Uh, and that, again, is going to be determined on how close that center line gets mm-hmm. to the uh, coast. Uh, we also have to, you know, another important thing about the the core of the, the strongest hurricane force winds coming close to the coast is going to be the surge mm-hmm. and its relationship to uh, the tide cycle at the time. Uh, now, this is all going to change, uh, you know, going forward. And that's why we want you to pay attention to the latest forecast. Again, we're talking here on, on Tuesday uh, afternoon. Um, but right now you kind of play out some of the computer models and, um, you know, Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina, the timing of their high tide uh, Thursday afternoon could coincide uh, when some of the strongest onshore flow is going to be occurring. Um, so the Hurricane Center 
really from uh, extreme North Florida all the way up to parts of North Carolina has this, you know, widespread worst sort of reasonable worst case scenario of four to seven feet right. of storm surge. Some of those higher end storm surge values uh, can certainly be realized if we get this core to make a landfall or are just right. parallel so close to the coast. Um, and, and if you happen to happen at, at high tide, we're going to several, you know, several feet above normally dry ground, um, I think is is certainly possible in both South and North Carolina. Right, right. And I feel like the Carolinas are probably really paying attention to this because they've had a rough couple of years. We've had uh, Matthew and Florence in the last few years, um, and both of those states were significantly impacted. And, you know, a lot of people have, um, and, you know, we, we, we always want to stress to people, just because you weren't heavily impacted in one particular storm doesn't mean you're not going to see impacts from the next one. So we want people to evaluate each storm um, for, for its own merits because each storm is different. However, a lot of people probably remember the impacts that they did have during Matthew or another storm. And they're probably much more wary than they were before and thinking, oh, you know, I might, I don't, I don't want to go through that again. And some portions of North Carolina went through it twice in two years. So I know that's a real concern for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, you know, the whole, the whole hurricane drill, I call it from watching it to making those decisions, evacuating. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very daunting, long, you know, process and it's a big disruption to a lot of people's lives. Uh, but you need to treat each storm as if there wasn't a previous one before right, it, and each right. threat um, needs to be taken uh, seriously. So uh, we've talked a lot about track, um, but I think maybe a little bit of intensity because the storm's starting to get a little bit more interesting yes. meteorologically and uh, in, in, in the environment that it's that it's in. Yeah. Um, and just sort of to, to just recap here, you know, when it was in the far eastern. Uh, Caribbean, it was fighting off dry air. Mm -hmm. It was a, this was always a real fighter. I remember I was impressed sort of every morning when I came into work and saw the, the, this um, structure on, on invisible imagery on satellite. And I was just like, wow, this thing is really trying hard in, in, in not the best environment. Um, then obviously it got its core, it's category five. Um, and then it just meandered over the Bahamas. Now that it's starting to be pulled a little bit further north, uh, we have a trough coming in. Um, and there's also a lot of uh, drier air that it's going to be coming in. And these are all things that can affect the intensity. Yeah. We were talking about that. You know, that if you look at the water vapor imagery, there's a huge plume of oranges and browns. So it's that dry air that we're talking about coming down with this trough. And, you know, it's been able to fend it off thus far at the, up to this point. However, as it starts to now be somewhat impacted by that trough and pulled northwestward, it's inevitably eventually going to ingest some of that drier air. And the question is, you know, it, that's one thing it might have going against it, drier intrusion into the circulation, not usually not good for tropical cyclones. But while it's been sitting and spinning over that same area over the Bahamas causing upwelling, you know, we've talked about the sea surface temperatures cooling, and that can have some weakening in, impacts, weakening effects on the storm. But now as it starts to move northwestward, we're getting, we're going to be getting back into those waters that are plenty warm enough, uh, a lot of ocean heat content that could allow for additional strengthening. So it's kind of like which one might win out? Is it going to be greater latent heat release within the storm as it moves over warmer waters? Or is dry air going to start impacting and you know, do both happen? Yeah. So, so yes. So those ocean temperatures maybe now compared to what it had been sitting over and, and mixing up the Bahamas, maybe now a little bit better. And, the, and of course, the forward speed of even five miles per hour will help prevent some of that upwelling from um, deteriorating the storm's uh, intensity. You mentioned the dry air. Now, hurricanes, when they're 
well organized like this can can fend off dry air a little bit better. But ultimately, there's going to be dry air, you know, surrounding the uh, hurricane. And as of course, as a result of it moving northward, it's just uh, as a trough of the upper level winds sort of picking it up, that will help, or that will increase the shear or the change mm-hmm. in the wind speed with height, which is something hurricanes uh, don't like. They like to have a very calm atmosphere all throughout above them. Uh, but there's another little factor that's interesting, uh, and that's the sort of the outflow channel aloft that's that's already, you can start to see it on water vapor in the clouds to the north, the high-level clouds starting to really yes. expand northward. Yes. So that's going to be a favorable thing mm-hmm. uh, for the storm. We call hurricanes, you know, Jim Cantore likes to talk about the lungs. Right. Storms like to have this sort of in, up, and out, right? It needs to, the, all the air that goes up in the hurricane, it needs to, to, to move out. So this is something that could be favorable for the storm in yes. terms of intensification. Absolutely. And this is something that I, I think I noted a couple of days ago in one of these podcasts talking about how, you know, even though it was kind of struggling, there was still nice outflow. It still had a uh, yeah, you could re- really see this nice outflow pattern aloft. So it was still, it was still managing to fend off all the other factors. But yeah, that's something we're going to have to look at. You know, going forward, if the balance between you know weakening or reintensification, and then let's talk about if you've got a, a storm that its wind field has expanded, and now you have a reintensification of that core. You know what what kind of impacts does that have? Obviously, if you expand the wind field, you expand the areas that uh, of water rise that are going to be now, all that water is going to eventually be pushed on shore somewhere, possibly. Yeah. And I think, uh, we, you know, we, again, uh, Tuesday afternoon here, 110 miles per hour, very high in category two. I don't think it's out of the question that this can become a three again uh, later today or, or sometime on Wednesday. I don't think it's going to get much, you know, very, very, very much stronger than it is now, but I think that that's possible, uh, that it can intensify a little bit more. Uh, and, and then I think that that expansion in the wind field uh, is going to become even important uh, for locations north of North Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, some of the, the Tidewater region and, and even up into New Jersey and possibly the Cape uh, out there in Massachusetts. Right, right. Yeah. If you look at the extended track from the National Hurricane Center, it once the trough picks it up, it sort of accelerates off to the northeast. But as it does so, you know, how large is this wind field? What kind of onshore push do you have? What kind of swells do you have that are impacting, you know, the tidewater in mid-Atlantic and moving up the New England coast? I mean, there, there could still be a significant rip current threat or rough seas in these areas. So then you worry about general beach safety, which is something we even talked about before Dorian impacted Florida, that these swells were going to be moving onshore and you were going to start to notice standing at the beach, there's something out there. The water responds to that. So somewhere along the Northeast coast and the mid Atlantic, they could also experience those impact, uh, impacts. Yeah. Um, Perhaps one uh, good thing now, too, with sort of certainty in the forecast is that the storm's going to be accelerating Thursday and especially Friday. Uh, so the end is is in sight. Yes. Um, and I'll just say, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers and, and my goodness for the folks in the northern Bahamas, this is going to be a, a, a long haul, a big cleanup. We really don't even know uh, the full extent of everything. Mm-hmm. And I'll just stress to all the folks... In the southeast, you know, we're not going to see any significant damage to that end at all uh, right. here. We still have a very situa- a very serious storm, uh, hurricane uh, force winds. I, I, I'm kind of expecting them here to, to, to get up on the southeast coast. So everybody still needs to pay attention and, 
you know, be prepared. If you're in that hurricane warning, you need to be prepared for hurricane force winds. Right, right. Yeah, don't we don't want people to write this off just because it's not going to be as bad as it was in the Bahamas, which I'm, I'm afraid we're going to start see start to see uh, increasingly worse images as the storm finally moves out of the area and people finally start to get to come out because they have literally been trapped inside or wherever they are for you know, two days, roughly. So yeah, we're definitely going to have to see how that unfolds. Well, I think that's uh, going to do it for today for our uh, tropical edition of uh, Weather Geeks podcast. As we're still tracking Dorian, um, thanks to Dr. Matt Sikowski for joining me today. Uh, I'm meteorologist Sarah Dillingham. And uh, just want to remind you guys to keep uh, watching us here on the Weather Channel. We're going to keep monitoring this storm. We've got our crews in the field and live shots are really starting to uh, become more active today as we're seeing these rain bands and uh, more impacts from Dorian. So uh, just be sure to tune in for future podcasts and stay safe. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.